Welcome out there in the interwebs. It is Ginger here again with another episode of Fighting the Void. And today we are going back to a little bit lighter content. And we're discussing kind of the state of the comic book industry with none other than Jacob Airy of the Jacob Airy blog. And he does over there, he does movie reviews, comic reviews. Uh, he's even written a novel, as I understand it, which you can find on Amazon. And uh, like I said, we're just going to sit back, talk, have a good time, and uh, kind of just hash some stuff out because I'm not entirely sure what's going on. And I know, Jacob, you follow the comic world a little bit closer than I do these days. So, first of all, thanks for coming back on the show. This has like got to be, I don't know, your third, maybe fourth visit. I think it's my third time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me back. Always a pleasure. Oh, no, I think it's the fourth. It is the fourth. It might be the fourth. <laughs> I think. The, I think the first time was the uh, big debate on the Snyder Cut. Right, and then the Halloween episode, and then you had me on to talk about my novel. So yeah, I think that's. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think this is the fourth. Well, there you go. Okay, so um, like I said, you follow comics a little bit closer than I do, uh, but I do know that. There's been talk that it's been struggling basically since the speculator bubble burst in the 90s, which I was around for. That was kind of the uh, the heyday of my own comic collecting was sort of the late 90s. And ever, but ever since then, it's kind of like it, it, you get the impression that it's been just kind of limping along. Right. And one would, ex one certainly would naturally expect that the movies and everything right with so much popularity i mean even ones that most people think are mediocre like captain marvel pulled out a billion dollars just by strength of the brand right. and um but it's not translating into comic sales yeah and i honestly think marvel made a big mistake and one one thing that's sustaining marvel is marvel entertainment was very smart because they just tied everything together uh, even before the Disney acquisition, they tied everything with Marvel Entertainment. So, like, if the films were weak, the comics could sustain them. If the comics are weak, the films could sustain them. Mm -hmm. But they, but they did make a very calculated risk that went all wrong. Whenever the movies premiered and they mm -hmm. introduced kind of the movie version of of Iron Man and mm -hmm. Black Widow. Your first thought is, okay, the comics have to match up a little bit, right? We, right. They, we don't think? want to be exactly like the movies. Otherwise, people just be tired of the same. But they need to at least have, like, the same members. And they did do that with Guardians of the Galaxy. But with everything else, they just they changed up the roster incredibly. That was when, of course, uh, they brought in Lady Thor. They brought in Ironheart because – the they, Captain Marvel killed Tony Stark at the end of Civil War II. Oh. It was, uh, yeah, at first everyone, there was this debate whether he was actually in a coma or if he was dead, but they actually did confirm last month that he is in fact dead. The current Tony Stark is an android. So oh. uh, built specifically by Tony Stark before his demise to battle Ultron is my understanding. Okay. And uh, but anyway, so they kind of they kind of messed that up, and then they tried to recover because they got Jason Aaron, who had a really successful run on the Hulk in the early two thousands and Ultimate Captain America, mm -hmm. and uh, so they brought him back to do the Avengers. He had a great start, and about issue, uh, I would say eighteen. He did this flashback where he did Avengers 1 million BC, and it was completely a bonkers story arc. I, it made me lose interest. I remember hearing about it. 
Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was like Odin was it Odin, the original Phoenix, the the original Iron Fist, who of course is a woman, and uh, the original Black Panther, and all these other uh, like prehistoric ver a ghost writer who has a woolly mammoth. And <laughs> okay, there's a part of me that really wants to see that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that guy was actually pretty cool. The 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 ghost writer with the woolly mammoth was actually the coolest of those characters. <laughs> be the coolest. Imagery. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, you you totally distracted me with that. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, it was just like a real bonkers story because it had a great arc where they were setting up Namor to be the villain, and you're you're kind of excited about this, and then it just falls apart with this one million BC story arc. And then DC, I don't know what their problem is. They are all over the map with their titles. It is insane. Um, I, I have, uh, which I mentioned beforehand, uh, Batman Detective Comics 1000. This is the original cover by uh, artist Jim Lee. He's one of my favorite artists. He's a great um, artist. It has been yeah. since the 90s. Yep. Oh, yeah. And this was actually the number one seller of 2019. Not not really that hard to believe. And uh, he also did for uh, the bat for his variant. Oh, nice. But um, it, was, uh, it was a bestseller for this reason. They had 10 different variants. And I, of course, had to get my favorite artist. I got the Greg uh, Capula variant ah, right there. Yep. Um, this is the, the Steve Rude um, variant right now. And then uh, Neil Adams, who actually got signed um, when I went to Comic-Con. You got the Neil Adams one signed. Oh, yeah. the okay. I, I, Neil Adams is actually one of my favorite Batman writers. His artwork, um, I'm not as impressed with his writing, but still, I had to get it. I got him to sign it. He owns a comic book store here in L.A. that I love. Oh, and, but like I said, they're they're really sporadic because you, you have titles like, uh, I believe it's Dark Horse is doing the series um, called Undiscovered Country. And it's is it Dark Horse or or it might be Boom Studios? I can't remember. Someone will correct me in the in the comments, but um, it's about America has been walled off. They okay. built Trump's wall, right? And but there's like a disease coming from it, and then all of a sudden the door opens, and so they sit. They're sending in this like 20 years later. They're sending in these people to discover America, hmm. and it's. Uh, Titles like that are overtaking Marvel and DC, where that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been heard of in the '90s and early 2000s. Right, right. I mean, really, back in the day, the the th the threat to uh, Marvel and DC was really well. There were there were kind of two, and mm -hmm. that was uh, Image, of right. course, and Jim Lee, and all of all of, you know, Mark Silvestri, uh, Rob Liefeld, uh, Todd McFarlane. All the biggest artists of the day got together and, you know, tried to start their own comic book company, which showed a lot of promise at first. And right. uh, of course, there was uh, Valiant, uh, Valiant Comics, which had its own heyday uh, back in the early and mid nineties. Yeah, they're even starting to make a comeback. They're actually yeah. because of the they got a film deal. They're going to do Bloodshot with yeah. uh, Vin Diesel as part. Yeah, that's coming out soon, actually. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. actually looks pretty good. I actually was in—I was actually at the Comic Con where they released the trailer, and that oh, was a really cool experience. You got a free comic book with it. Oh, it was cool. awesome. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I like some of the uh, the new uh, the, the the new version of of uh, Valiant. I think it's I think it's pretty good. I prefer the old. I prefer the original Valiant, to be honest. Right. But yeah, some of that's a little nostalgia. Some of it's also the fact that the new Valiant is a little bit like the modern comic industry in that 
unless you very much follow it, it's really hard to kind of keep track of what's going on. Right. I, I haven't done ongoing comic collecting since like 2001, 2002. Uh, but I kind of, I, I buy stuff when it's on sale in Comicsology and stuff from time to time. And of course, I just, you know, scrolling headlines and stuff, you kind of get an idea of what's going on for the most part. Um, but one thing I've noticed, and this is across the board, well, this is uh, Valiance to an extent, uh, but especially Marvel and DC. Image is, image is totally different than when it, than when it began. Oh, yeah. It's way different. Like, it's a completely... It was initially something of a vaguely cohesive universe, uh, but before you, before you knew it, all of the different artists and everything, they essentially had their own production companies that were all under the Image banner, and they all split off. Amit, Jim Lee's homage became integrated with DC to the mm -hmm. point where their characters regular, well, for a while, regularly showed up at DC Comics. I don't think they do much anymore. Um, and then one character, uh, he uh, Helga, I believe, uh, she was introduced in Spawn. She's now in the Thor comic books. Oh, Angela. Angela, that's right, Angela. Angela. Yeah, that that was a whole, that was a whole weird copyright uh, fight between Neil Gaiman and Todd McFarlane, who. Right. Uh, guy, guy, she was essentially Gaiman's creation, and he got the rights, and I think promptly sold them to Marvel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, he's kind of because uh, he had a similar spat with Frank Miller, I believe, and uh, with uh, Todd McFarlane for a while. Frank Miller was writing Spawn, and he oh it, yeah, he did have at least some involvement. Yeah, oh yeah, it was it was a it was kind of a big deal. They said that's why. DC was able to get Frank Miller back was <laughs> because uh, Image, uh, or in particular McFarlane, allegedly, you know, don't come after me, Tom McFarlane, I hear he's very litigious, allegedly McFarlane treated Miller really poorly with the rights to the characters Miller had created for Spine. Mm. And so, uh, and it was crazy because Miller even did a Spawn Batman crossover. Yeah, which this time. sucked. <laughs> I hated that so much. I haven't read it yet. I, I'm not a huge Spawn fan, so I haven't read it yet. I was, I was back then. I, I you know, back again in Images Heyday. Uh, I really liked Spawn, and of course, because of the Dark Knight, because because the Dark Knight Returns, I loved Frank Miller, and I was like. And of course, I love Batman because everybody loves Batman. Right. Uh, you know, it was like Spawn, Batman, Frank Miller, Todd Mc. How could this not be awesome? Oh, this is how. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> honestly, it was after that. Like, why? Why? You know, we're, you know, we're we're a little all over the place here, which is appropriate. Right. But uh, <laughs> it was after that. Actually, it was after those crossovers that I noticed that Spawn's quality took a nosedive. Yeah. It was like it was like really good, and then all of a sudden, well, and you know, um, Richard Meyer. I, I listened to his show, Ya Boy Zach. I don't know why it's called that. It used to be called Diversity in Comics. Now he calls it Ya Boy Zach. But uh, he has a uh, he made a really good point one time. Is they're they're trying too hard to force the artists to become writers because they don't want to pay two people. Before, you know, it would be. You know, Bob Kane was the idea man. Bill Finger and Jerry Robinson would bring him to life. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Bill Finger, we found out later, was way more involved than Bob Kane originally let on. Yeah. But still. Yeah, don't get, fing oh, don't get right. fingered. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. There's a great documentary on Hulu about that. I highly recommend It's called Batman and Bill. Hmm. And uh, But anyway, it was the same with, with Marvel. Stan Lee right. was the idea man. Steve Ditko brought it to life. And. Yep. 
Uh, I, although Stanley maintains that he was the driving force behind Spider-Man, I have no reason to doubt him. But uh, Steve Ditko obviously heavily involved with Doctor Strange. Hmm. Um, in fact, they match. Doctor Strange and Spider-Man's hand gestures match. And oh. uh, I, I never, uh, I never noticed that. But right, but, but yeah, right. But but later it got to where they're saying, okay, we don't want to, we don't want to hire two people. We want so like mm -hmm. you, now you have Shine Gordon um, Murphy, who is a fantastic artist. Now he's also writing Batman White Knight, which I did a whole when my old. The uh, vlog was up. I did a whole breakdown of why I hated that comic series. Um, just thought it was a disaster. But uh, but great artwork. Sean Gordon Murphy. Keep on cussing Murphy. Murphy. He's a fantastic artist. His artwork is top notch. But I just don't think he cuts it as a writer. And and uh, and Richard Meyer. He kind of has noticed this. There's this trend where they're where they'll either put really good writers with really bad artists or really good artists with really bad writers, or they'll try to force them to do both. And I thought, I think that's a really good point. There's, I've noticed that especially with uh, some of the stuff lately that like Tom King is a good example. He just finished his Batman run. So much freaking dialogue. You just are like, you know, turn it down, man. You know, I don't, I don't care about Batman waxing philosophy with Bane. I want to see him beat him up. And right. yeah, 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 and uh, it's also become a gimmick game. This is uh, I I noticed that they keep doing these gimmicks. So like they did this well, big thing. That's going right. That's going right back to the nineties. Right. Yeah. Uh, and what created the the bubble, the pop, and what set that tone for we're just limping along. Right. Ever since. Um, right. Now to, to kind of um, get it back a little bit. Yeah, it actually kind of fits up with the with a gimmick point you were you were about to make is. Um, they keep doing constant reboots. I don't yeah. even mean just the, the constant like universe reboots, which I think DC's probably got the gold medal for that right now. Right. Uh, but you know, Mar Marvel does them too. They just do it differently. It's not right. necessarily total timeline setting reboots. They just keep, but they keep doing these massive shakeups, massive resets of the characters who's on what team and this, that, and the other thing, and constant number ones. Yes, you know, like they, know, they figured out number one sell really well. Well, yeah, that it's like you never know where you are in the story anymore. You right. know, I, I remember it used to be if a new title comes out or it's like there's a big event or something, they'll market it as a new jumping on point or something like that. Or if like somebody hasn't had an ongoing for a while, but now they're bringing it back or whatever. Okay, fine, but like every every year or two, you're rebooting a series. And it used Stop to be, it! And yeah. that's just rebooting it with new storyline, new creators. No, you're rebooting it with number one. You never know where you are anymore. Yeah, and and that's in fact, there's a running joke. Um, oh, his name escapes me, but there was a Daredevil writer who actually ended up writing for three volumes of Daredevil, and they each start with number one. And so, uh, and before, what what they used to do is, so if they wanted to start over with the night with a number one, they would at least change the title a little bit. So Detective Comics became Batman Detective Comics, or it became Detective Comics starring Batman. And then for a while they did, I don't know why, Detective Comics starring Batwoman. That was a, that was from out of the final crisis. And, right. you know, so of course they realized their mistake and brought Batman back right away. But um, I, I, I have noticed these reboots. And what Marvel used to do, which was really clever, was when they wanted to reboot a character, they would do a soft reboot. So, for instance, Iron Man, 
His original origin involved the Vietnam War. In fact, the first villain he fought was a Viet Cong. They don't talk about that anymore. Right. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then they did uh, Iron Man Extremis, and they made it where, uh, and that was a soft reboot where it was the Afghan War, and the first and the first villain he fought was a member of the Taliban. Yeah, uh, Taliban. And so that, uh, and so that that made more sense because then you just go, okay, well now I know what it is. And then they did, I believe they did a redo of Secret Wars, which, like you said, it completely reset it. And then they've done two others since then. DC has always, that's like their thing. Every, it used to be every five years you could expect a reboot, but now I it's it was even, even longer. Like every 10 years, they would get around to doing like a massive, uh, you know, universe setting reboot, which if you're intent on keeping the exact same characters and everything, it makes, makes sense. Right, because you know, then you get to re, you get to you know retouch the origin a little bit and everything, and you know make it so it isn't like they've been running around doing this since the forties. Right, <laughs> you know, it's like that. As far as that goes, okay, I get that. That makes sense, and I'm okay with a once, maybe even twice a decade massive event that you know shakes things up, cleans up the continuity a little bit. I'm all right with that, but now it's like every other year. Right, and, and, and it's annoying as all heck. I mean, I remember one, and they don't even last long. Like the the the, the one that really get that I really remember. If this might go back to when I was still reading Wizard, or maybe I just was browsing through it or something. I don't know. It, there was there was a reboot where Batman was actually Jim Gordon in some sort of weird cyber suit. Oh yeah, that was during the New Fifty Two. Yes. Okay. Okay, that was the New Fifty Two. No, I wasn't reading Wizard anymore. It was like that <laughs> a long time ago. Um, oh, everyone hated that. By the way, you were not alone. Well, I, I looked. I looked at it, for, and I'm like, this is going to last fifteen minutes. Yes. There's no way in hell this <laughs> is going to this is going to catch on. No one's going to like it. They're going to forget this ever happened. You know about? Oh wait, yeah, it already did. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and it actually hurt Scott Snyder's reputation a little bit. And I, now, to be fair to him, that might have been a studio decision because I've heard uh, Frank Miller and Tom King and Neil Adams have all complained about studio interference. Uh, Christopher Priest, the whole reason he left DC and went to Dynamite was uh, they wouldn't let him write Batman. He had just done Batman versus Deathstroke. And then they were like, oh, we're going to put you on our black superhero because for those of you who don't know, Christopher Priest is black. And he's like, but I want to keep writing Batman. And they said, well, no, no, we're going to let uh, someone else do that. And so then he tried to go to Marvel and they were like, oh, great. We'll put you on Luke Cage. And he's like, I don't want to work on Luke Cage. I want to work on Wolverine. See, I've done Wolverine in the past. And so he ended up going to Dynamite and they gave him Vampirella. Which, by the way, since he took it over, has been selling really well. Really? So, okay. Uh, yeah, not, you know, not to the tier of, you know, your more popular heroes, but it's basically right. it's become one of their top sellers, the company's top sellers. Oh, well, good. And good for him, too. For, yeah. for He's a great writer. Being, being like, no, I'm not going to be your freaking token black guy working on your token black comic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I want to write what I want to write, not something that's going to make the SJWs happy. I don't right. care. Oh, they were mad when he took over Vampirella because they thought he was an ally, which for those of you who don't know, Vampirella basically wears a swimsuit. That's her costume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but let's face it, it's not even much of a swimsuit. <laughs> <laughs>
And so they were all, so the SJWs got all mad at him because he started writing this character and it, it you know, not dressed appropriately, I guess, uh, you know, especially me being an evangelical, but you know, I'm kind of, uh, I kind of am chuckling. It makes me want to read it though, knowing that they're mad about it, you know? I know exactly what you mean. It's like, oh, you guys are pissed off. You know, honestly, I was kind of avoiding it, not even for totally dissimilar reasons, but you guys are mad. So I kind of want to make you more mad. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't the most Christian thing I could possibly do, but it's only four bucks. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> four bucks, you know, and a, and a, and a prayer at bedtime. Good to go. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> And not to mention if it's well written. I mean, hey, I've heard it's based, it's not too different from the argument made in favor of watching Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, you uh you should have uh my my former colleague Paul Bois on. He has some thoughts about Game of Thrones that are really interesting. So <laughs> oh is I'm curious, is he a fan or not? Or uh, he's not a fan. He wrote an article that was titled Game of Thrones is porn. And uh and you would probably which is you would probably see eye to eye then because I haven't had any interest in touching Game of Thrones with a freaking 10 foot pole. <laughs> and the only thing I've ever heard that makes me at all remotely interested is the whole night watch. And right. but I'm like, if well, that's all there is. Well, for me, there was a, there was this there's this anime called uh, The Rising of the Shield Hero, and I'm an anime fan, but I don't like the ones with long titles, and I don't know why. I just have an aversion to really long titles. But I Anime News Network, their SJW writer wrote a whole review of the first episode. I turned right around, got on my Funimation app, and watched it, and I loved it. And I what, I, was, what was the name of it again? Uh, say again. What, what 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 was the show or whatever? It's called The Rising of the Shield Hero. It's it's about a just this regular Japanese student. He kind of gets sucked into this fantasy world, but. The fantasy plays out like a video game. So he has like a like a VR thing, and that's how he can access his powers. And he has this magic shield. And then there are other heroes who have more powerful weapons, allegedly, that kind of make fun of him for just having a shield. And he gets a, falsely accused of, a, of sexual assault or attempted sexual assault. And he becomes like this bitter loner and be, all because of this false accusation. And huh. the SJWs hated it. In fact, Anime News Network, after season one, rated it 2019's worst anime. And just oh. for that reason. Right. Okay, you heard it here. People, go watch Rise of the Field Hero. Because it pisses SJWs off for no other reason. The Network plays the, plays the Funimation translation, is my understanding. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And, um, and, and I noticed uh, Jake Wilson over in the comments, he's commenting on the whole that that the whole having a minority right a minority character it, that's its own gimmick yes anyway it's as much of a gimmick has constant number ones right and everything. now i've heard a lot about you know sales and stuff for comics and everything are pretty poor yeah overall now uh, i even really follow the numbers i also heard that 2019 was actually fairly strong um, but that right. was on Screen Rant, and honestly, I had to kind of take Screen Rant with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in 2019, well, it was a big year because it was Superman 1000, or I'm sorry, that was that was 2018, I, I apologize. Uh, Detective Comics 1000, and mm -hmm. then 
uh, Boom Studios reintroduced, um, they started doing like kid versions of Marvel Comics. Or I'm sorry, that was IDW. IDW started doing kids version of Marvel Comics. I don't know what, why Marvel is licensing out their kids versions. And so they have, huh. I think they're called like, so they have like Marvel Action Spider-Man. And it's like, yeah, it's like for, it's like for readers who are like 12, basically. Okay. Uh, I still kind of enjoy them sometimes, but, you know, still kiddish. They reintroduced the Sonic the Hedgehog. Archie Comics had done Sonic the Hedgehog since I was a kid. I think since I was in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And then IDW got the rights from Sega. And so they rebooted Sonic. And it was, it was actually, I actually enjoyed it. But again, it was written for kids, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. So was kind of a strong year. They rebooted their Transformers. They were trying to connect it more with Generation 1. The comic books, for whatever reason, whatever co company has Transformers, whenever they license out that property, they don't. They want to make it as different as possible from the show. Don't know why. Like they did this. Like in in the show, RC, she's a female Autobot. Mm -hmm. In the in the comic, uh, the first I think it was called Dreamwave Comics. They're they're now defunct. They totally went out of their way to say RC was not a female Autobot. She just happened, or I say she, because I'm used to saying it from the 80s show. She just happened to have female qualities. Robots don't have a gender. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's so, so they rebooted it and kind of restored that aspect of it and whatnot. And, uh, and I read the first issue, but it didn't really impress me. I was not impressed with it. But that was why all these new number ones, you've got Transformers number one, Spawn 300 came out last year, Bat or Detective Comics 1000, uh, Batman 50, which was the big wedding issue that was, spoiler alert, not that great. And well, yeah, they, they wind up not being a wedding. Right, yeah, spoiler. yeah. <laughs> Spoilers, yeah. people, sorry. Because they did all these gimmicks and everyone yep. was expecting more. And it just yep. ended up, uh, as the year goes on, you can watch the sales just slide down. And, mm -hmm. and like I said, okay. some of the lower tier comic companies are starting to break into the top 10, not because they're doing better, but because DC and Marvel are doing worse. Now, that, that's interesting. I had a I had a sales chart up uh, just a little while ago. What's that? Was it, is it Comicron? No, um, let's see. It's from comicsbeat.com, and I think they're using, oh, okay. uh, I think they're using diamonds uh, okay, data. Yeah, yeah. Diamond distributors, right? Yeah, and let's see here. Um, there was now just from Jan from January to December from December of 2019 to January 2020, sales were down like uh, almost two and a half percent. Yeah. Uh, year on year, it was uh, six. According to the six point seven percent in terms of dollar sales for for comics, it looks like interestingly graphic novels might have actually been up, which is uh, fascinating. Here's the key to that: it's older graphic novels. People are rebuying Batman, the repackaging a lot of their old stuff that that makes sense. And I noticed toys are toys are up a little bit, but again, that's not comics, right? <laughs> um, the, to, the total comics and graphic novels still down. Uh, 3.26% year on year. So it's like the graphic novels are helping, but only a little. They're, they're kind of taking the edge off, essentially. Right. And also, a lot of people don't realize this, but one thing that I, uh, Marvel does, which is very, very clever, is Marvel actually has a library program. 
and they'll actually sell their comic books for just a little profit to all these libraries. They'll call and they'll say, hey, do you want to attract teenagers to your library? Why do you buy? So that that helps boost their revenue. That's actually Gail Simone, how she stays popular is because she keeps claiming, oh, my comic books are, are doing really well, but she's part of the Marvel library program now. I Ever since Marvel, Marvel pinched her from DC. She used, Gail Simone she used actually, to write uh, Catwoman, right? Yes, she wrote uh, Catwoman and she wrote the new 52 Batgirl, which is actually a really good series. The okay. Batgirl, to clarify, not the, not the, the Batman had a great start, but then, like you said, the mech commissioner Gordon Batman and all that. But um, she actually had a really good run on Batgirl. And that's, she's taken over some of like the weirder uh, kind of stuff from Marvel. I think they just have a contract with her. And so they're just giving her stuff to write until her contract is up. Ah. <laughs> they can't fire her because then she goes all over Twitter and complains about misogyny. So Right. Yeah. And I don't know much about her, but I know enough to know that that's, yeah, that's probably what would happen. I actually had a friend who there was, there's this big comic con that happens in Shanghai of all places. Oh. And they, all the companies bring in their stuff from America and I actually have a friend who worked for, uh, I don't want to give him away. So I won't say the franchise, but he worked for a, uh, for an anime franchise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the same time he was doing his spiel for his company, um, right next door, Gail Simone was doing her spiel. I think she was, she had just started at Marvel. My friend had tripled the crowd for his Japanese English tra- English translation of a Japanese show than she did for her Marvel stuff. And wow. he, it's something he's really proud of. He got a friend of a buddy of his made a side-by-side picture. And it's like my, my friend, he's like facing the audience and it's a packed out house. Then it shows on the left, it's Gail Simone. And it's like a quarter of the room is filled. filled. It's really funny. Ah, oh, that sucks. <laughs> Such <Yeah>. a hurt. <laughs> oh well. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh well. And uh, to one more thing, talk one more uh, large thing on how the comic industry is clearly in some sort of impossibly increased turmoil, and yeah. then I'll talk a little bit about maybe why. Um, is uh, Dan probably? Didio, Didio, whatever you say, however you say his name. Yeah, Dio, Dio, I think. Sure. Dan. Dan. Dan just got canned from DC, and he's been like a big wig there for a long time. Yes. Like, like for freaking ever. Right. <laughs> like I said I don't. I haven't followed much, but I recognize the name. I knew he was a big wig there, going way back. So he's been there a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he just got canned, uh, rather unceremoniously, apparently, mm-hmm. and. Uh, apparently a lot, I mean, just a lot of the big wigs at DC have been canned in fairly recent times about the only one that's left. I think since the eight, since they uh, Warner brothers merged with AT&T is Jim Lee. Yeah. And Jeff Johns, Jeff Johns is still there. Is he still there? Yeah. He's the chief creative officer or no, no, I'm sorry. That's Jim Lee. I can't, uh, I can't remember what his title is, but he's still there. Is he more associated with the movie side now? Uh, yes, but he still he still writes occasionally for them. Okay, okay, um, but not you know, regardless. Uh, then they've there's been a lot of shaking up there. Yes, but, but Dan getting canned all of a sudden is a kind of a big deal because he was planning this other big freaking reshape event 
yeah, uh, reboot number 9,000 at this <laughs> point. As it, it, I, I saw that, I'm like, you've got to be effing kidding me. And then I saw they named it 5G, and I'm like, what does 5G have to do with Dan? D oh, that's the name of a comic. You guys are stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> apparently, they're going to rename it Fifth Generation, which is a smart move, at least, as far as that goes. But I guess the point of it was they would age out all of the characters that they've been with for a long time and then um, have have younger people come in and you know, fill fill the roles essentially. Which yeah, I, I have to admit I'm not as I'm not too familiar with the fifth generation. My this move actually shocks me a little bit because um, forever DC Comics has hated Wally West, who of course was the very first Kid Flash. Yep. They they had they killed him off in a very uh, the, for first they erased him from history. Him mm -hmm. and Donna Troy, who was the first Wonder Girl. Um, really two very important members of the Teen Titans. Mm -hmm. They erased them from history. So then they bring him back. They, they introduced another character who's like his cousin, but now they're making, uh, they brought him back and then they made it where he was the secret spoiler alert for the heroes in crisis miniseries. He was the murderer. The, uh, for those of you familiar uh, heroes in crisis is about like the sanctuary where all the superheroes go to relax. And then, one super Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman come in one day and all the heroes that were in there are dead. And I think Roy Harper, who's one of Green Lantern's sidekicks, is one of them. Yeah, he was a speedy and became Arsenal. It, it was a lot of uh, weird characters, but but you find out it was Wally West who killed them all. And one of the things you can see since – I actually did when that when I found out that, I actually did a – a video on my blog called "Why Does DC Hate Wally West?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I remember. I remember. Uh, I remember you uh, tweeting about that and everything. And right, it was it was so shocking to me. I couldn't believe it. So, but since AT and T has taken over, mm -hmm. Wally West is all of a sudden getting a little bit more prominence. You, he did a. He was in a series called Flash Forward, and I right. think. I think him popping up again is so he's not a flash he or they were not going to call him kid flash he's he's a blue lantern now is my understanding um don't get me started on the whole lantern thing <laughs> yeah there should just be green and yellow but but i think i actually said i think i had said that way a long time ago was when they introduced the new kid flash I said they should just make Wally just ma give him, make him a Green Lantern or something. You know that way they can keep him around. But um, so I guess they someone saw my tweet out there and said, "Hey, let's make him. Let's do this, but make him a Blue Lantern so this guy won't sue us." But <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, really, back to your original point about these firings, AT and T is really cracking the whip on on Warner Me Media, which owns DC Comics. Mm, right. And they're basically saying if you don't turn this around. Um, there's actually rumors that AT&T wants to dump DC Comics. Which is right where I was going, yeah. And Marvel is waiting the wings. They have been trying to buy DC Comics have since they? the 70s. Really? So, oh, yeah. They, there's this... Um, they. I've, I've seen the rumors about, like, they're talking about that, like, there's rumors flying around out there in the ether that there's a potential merger between the universes and the works. In the... But, 
in the in the 70s they were warner actually wasn't going to sell dc to marvel but they were going to license them and i can't remember his name but there was a really famous artist in in the 70s and they asked him if this was true and he said oh yeah there's a sketchbook somewhere in the marvel vault where all the artists who were active at the time and at marvel drew versions of the dc characters wow. and he goes and he said when the when we were talking about like i said they weren't actually going to buy them out it was just going to be a licensing deal we turned this in to the i can't remember the guy's name but whoever was the director of marvel at the time definitely wasn't ike perlmutter um, whenever they turned it into him, uh, he loved it and tried to go for it. But Devil's Do Comics actually threatened to sue uh, uh, based on a monopoly law because uh, Marvel would have controlled something like 75% of the markets. Well, that would still be the case because they're still yeah. far and away the big two. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I don't even think anyone comes close. I, I guess maybe... Like you said, maybe Valiant or Dark Horse or no, something? No, actually, at least according to this chart that I have, it's just for January. But according to that, actually, it's Marvel at just shy of 40%, uh, DC at just shy of 30 okay. and then it's Image at like 5.6. Valiant yeah. doesn't even show up. Oh, wow. 10, which shocked me. I was surprised by that. Yeah, that's, I'm surprised um, Image is still up there. Yeah, yeah I, I guess they just... I guess Spawn is carrying them. It's the only thing I can well, think Well, I mean, there's Spawn, and, you know, maybe there's just enough of a market for all of the various independent stories that they do. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe they're – I have no idea what kind of deals they've got with, um, like, with, with with Top Cow and right. with whatever the, the other ones are. But, uh, you know, maybe there's still stuff going on with graphic novels of, of those old oh, books. Also – for, uh, image for a while had had licensed to some film um, film adaptions for comic books so that that could also be I think that's how Dark Horse is kind of staying alive is people keep buying the Dark Horse Star Wars comics <laughs> oh yeah yeah I mean definitely I mean and the dark the dark horse era, dark yeah dark horse era of Star Wars comics uh well some really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you got you got Dark Empire. I mean, just that in and of itself was phenomenal. And you then you've got you there are lots of the old Republic, you know, yes. versions of the Jedi. That, stuff. that was my favorite from Dark Horse was yeah. the old Republic stuff. And they created some great characters too, like Exar Kun, mm -hmm. uh, Naomi Sunrider, yeah, just characters that really kind of. It took on a life of their own in the old EU, but that's a whole other that, right. that's a whole other show, man. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So okay. So there's possibly some truth to these uh, rumors that, frankly, I was completely ignoring that uh, Mar Marvel and DC could be looking at a merger in the near future. And that would that would shake things up because I've always said and huge. Yeah, and I have a the actually the 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 lady who did the cover art for my for my novel. She's a huge DC fan, mm -hmm. and I always say if Batman were Marvel, I would be all Marvel because after after Batman, the next four superheroes in my top five were all Marvel characters. Okay, so just being honest, and that's right. But Batman, Batman keeps me acquainted with the DC universe. <laughs> so if if Marvel was supposed, you said it was, they each have something like thirty percent. Man, that would be huge. Could you imagine though? This is my only concern with that. That if Disney did a Batman movie, what would that look like? I have to admit that they would have. 
They would just release it under their Fox banner now. I or... don't want to see. I, I would not want to see an MCU Batman. Yeah, I agree. With I, you. I just, I, I have no, I would have no interest. The MCU is its own thing, and I'm a fan yeah. of it. Leave yeah. it be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the MCU is fine for what it is, mm-hmm. I, I, and, I, and I like it for what it is. But you're right. Batman. There is no like really good version of Batman that has a home in the MCU. Right. Yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement with you. All right. All right. That's <laughs> we are completely in a, good. Uh, now, there's a part of me that would love to see Batman just drop in and just completely screw up the, the X-Men. I would, <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> they actually do have uh, a lot of crossovers uh, that were written in the in the 90s. Yep. And, and I actually people- just picked up. I actually just picked up the trade paperback of mm. the old uh, DC versus Marvel amalgam oh, yeah. stuff. I I saw that at my my local library for sale for like two bucks. I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, you know, gave it to my uh, gave it to my daughter who I've successfully turned into a comic nerd, <laughs> and it was like, here you you were wondering if this existed. Yes, it does. Here, enjoy. <laughs> She's like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And I would actually love uh, what I what I would think is if I was Marvel and I'm chomping at the bit, mm-hmm. and th- this is me playing. If I was Marvel CEO, mm-hmm. um, what I would do is if this opportunity came up, I yes, 100 would buy, but I would make it where. Uh, where kind of like how Marvel used to do their ultimate imprint and then the mainstream imprint. Yeah, I would probably two different universes that mirror each other. Yeah, I would probably try to keep the two separate because, like yeah. Jake says, I'm not. I the idea of trying to merge them into one universe. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, well, well, and think about all the problems it caused when they merged the Ultimate Universe with the mainstream universe, hmm. uh, because now you have two Spider Men. Now, yeah. the the animated series Ultimate Spider Man, they fixed that problem with giving Miles a new uh, a new code name. Okay. And what works for me, I'm fine with that. Yep. But in, in the for some reason in the comic books, they don't want to do that. They want to keep calling him Spider Man, and it's like, okay, Miles. The Spider Verse movie killed my connection to Miles Morales. I thought that was the best take on the character. Mm-hmm. So now I'm okay with. Before I hated him. Whenever, in fact, I stopped buying co- Spider Man really? books when he took when he came into the mainstream universe. Mm-hmm. But the Spider, because I just think he's a in the Ultimate Universe. He was a very poorly conceived character. However, when I saw Spider Verse, I was like, okay, there is some value to this character. And same with the Spider Man PS4 game. He has really great uh, character, uh, a great character arc in the video game as well. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, now I see his, now I see how he can connect to Spider-Man. But, it, and so I just don't see that working out in the DC context. I could maybe see them one or two, like if they want to throw in Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, kind of the Trinity in just to get sales up for a little bit. But as far as like including the Green Lanterns, well then, they have them messing with the Nova Corps, and uh, well, and that's, that, that's just it. There's a lot of similarity between right. certain characters and everything, because 
you know, super, super, what's his name? Icon. He's a uh, he's a superhero in the DC universe. Him and Blue Marvel are basically the same character. I don't know. Those are kind of lower tier Justice League. Right. Avengers, yeah. Well, I, I remember Icon because I remember DC's milestone imprint. Right. Yes. And they they've actually brought him into the mainstream universe. Now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He he is in there though. Like you said, he's a, he's a lower tier character, kind of like you know, Mister Mirage is. You know, in, all images version of Superman. He right. he exists within the DC universe as well, but you you, you don't really come across him. Kind of like you know, Sentry doesn't really right. show up in Marvel world very often. And right. also, like, are you gonna are are you going to because uh, forever there's this big debate on can Hulk beat Superman? Right. And so that to me, uh, and I'm thinking DC versus Marvel, the fans voted that Superman would win, so Superman yeah. does beat. Hulk, but they made him the Professor Hulk, so I was kind of like, that's eh, a little bit of a cheat, you know. It, it is a bit of a cop out, and I right, think yeah. I think they did that very much on purpose to keep that debate alive. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I and so and they did weird ones like Robin versus Jubilee and stuff. But anyway, yeah, I, I yeah. Think, Robin destroys her. Right. Yes. I yeah, think, yeah, I I think Jubilee yeah. comes on un, comes under a lot of unnecessary flack. Like right. I don't think she's as lame as you know. Oh yeah, everybody, everybody says, but. Robin destroys her. <laughs> right. And I and, and to be and so are they going to answer these questions? Because some fans do, do. Can Century beat Superman? Because you know Century can actually alter matter. You know that's one of his powers. And hmm. would he be able to beat Super? That's actually how he beats uh, Hulk in World War Hulk. Is he oh. alters Hulk's matter so it he it lowers his rage, and that's how he's able to beat him. Hmm. So I don't know. Well, I guess it depends on. Uh, if I were writing it, it would depend greatly upon uh, Superman's level of solar charge at that particular point in time. <laughs> yes. If he's, if, he's running, if his batteries are a little low, then Sentry could alter his matter so that he could, uh, so that to, to affect Superman's ability to continue mm -hmm. to absorb energy from the sun. But if his ba batteries are fully charged, then he can resist it. Sure. And That's the way I, I would go with it. I actually stumbled upon a blog article that made the case that Namor could beat Superman if the battle took place underwater. And uh, I actually thought that was really, it was really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but remember, Namor is strong enough to challenge Captain Marvel, who I guess now is the strongest character physically. Um, so I roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he didn't. But he said he made it clear the battle would have to be underwater for Namor to win. So you know, whatever. If we're making that stipulation, I and of course, if the latest incarnation of Namor is that powerful, okay. I've never it, it, once conceived of Namor as anywhere near that powerful. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, don't forget he lifted a what was it a, a an Air Force carrier uh, with one hand. So you know that's you know. Freaking, freaking Brandon Ralph lifted a whole continent laced with kryptonite <laughs> while he had a kryptonite shard shoved into his side. <laughs> oh, there, you got a, you got a point. You got a point. <laughs> yes, thank you, Brian Singer. Uh, yeah, yeah. That I was. I remember watching that, going like, okay. <laughs> now there is always a whole because he's Superman. Superman could, you know. Overcome his weakness and everything, and his will, and yada yada yada. 
but you just had him getting thrown around by Lex Luthor. I actually saw that movie with my dad in theaters. He and I yeah. were sitting next to each other, and when he did that, he pushed that. My dad laughed. He like laughed out loud. You know, he grew up. He grew up with a strong Superman, right? Christopher Reeves and yeah. all this, and uh, he remember, you know, uh, Lois and Clark, you know, and so then he's not the strong Superman I have an issue with. Right, right, right. Five pushed, minutes before that. Yeah. Well, and and when five minutes before that, mm -hmm. he was getting kicked around by Lex Luthor. Right. And also, the, the, what they were going to do in the sequel was even more mind-boggling because they were going to make that Candor that was going to turn into Candor, which is in a bottle in Superman's Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, it is. It's one of those things where it's like I'd kind of be okay with it, actually. <laughs> you know, like okay, yeah, yeah. fine. You want to have Candor, but Bottle City. Let's face it, that's not going to translate well into film. Right. Okay, I, I, I'm all right. Other Kryptonians show up and they live on a floating rock orbiting the Earth. <laughs> well, a lot of people think that was the inspiration because they, you know, they did that. The whole story in DC that didn't sell very well. They were doing it to compete with Secret Empire from Marvel, which was also awful. But uh, they did the whole storyline where Superman is able to to make Candor a proper size again. He actually and and so the Kryptonians then turn right around because they don't they're not born with Superman's uh, characteristics, right? He was raised by humans, so they turn around and try to conquer Earth so they can get the power of the sun. And so right. I, I, I think I remember hearing about this. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. It wasn't that. It wasn't impressive. It did not. The story arc did not impress me. Um, to me, Superman didn't have enough of turmoil on on uh, on the situation, right. and uh, you know that was my whole thing. That was my whole problem with it. I didn't. I it didn't impress me. I and also it was the new Fifty Two Superman who I don't like. I thought that. Personification was was awful. The new Fifty Two was a horrible idea from the beginning. Yes, yeah. And I'm glad that they kind of finally admitted that. Yes, they kind of like, you know what? This was all dumb. It was doomed to fail from the beginning. What were we thinking? And the DC Rebirth was a good idea until they connected it to Watchmen. I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> I guess they needed a reason for why the I guess they were like, just, you know, we, we need a reason for why the new 52 and everything was so screwed up and everything. And um, what's going to be your reason for that? We need, it should be a, something has to do with a story somewhere. How many yeah. characters are powerful enough to just completely reshape? Re oh, <laughs> and see, that's to me, like one of the reasons I don't like Watchmen is I think that as for all the crap Superman gets and even Captain Marvel, I think Dr. Manhattan is one of the most overpowered beings mm -hmm. I've read, you know, and, uh, at least with uh, the, the monitor for, from the DC, you know, he was featured recently in the CW crossover. Yeah. The monitor doesn't really, he's just kind of, and you know, he has this antipathy about him. So he only shows up if it's absolutely necessary, right. but you know, Dr. Manhattan, he's like around and is active and is doing things. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, no one can beat him. What you know? That's the and they they still have to admit that yeah, especially within his universe. Yeah, especially you know, Doctor Manhattan within his universe. Right. No one out. He's literally the only one with actual superpowers. Right. So, right. Yeah. He's the only one. Yeah, and he's also super intelligent. So even 
like Ozymandias could probably out could possibly outsmart him, maybe. Right. But um, well, there's you can be smarter, but there's also if you're like you've got to be like a lot smarter, right? You know, you've got to be like you've got you can't just be a little bit smarter to overcome this much power difference. You're right. Yeah. Like this much smarter. Well, and one, one thing that's kind of funny is in Doomsday Clock, which is the which shows the crossover. Lex, yeah. they, I think they DC kind of figured this out because there's actually a scene where Lex Luthor mocks Ozymandias, and he's like, "Oh, you think you're so smart, but you, um, you know, you did this to the most powerful being in your universe, and now he's on this rampage." So that's kind of what it is, is Dr. Manhattan, they kind of make him responsible for all the crises. Like that's basically what they say, oh, or okay. it's, or he's at least observing all of them happening. You know, he can see all time or whatever. Okay. Like <laughs> don't recommend, I like Jeff Johns. we mentioned him earlier. Yeah. I like Jeff Johns. He's a really great writer. Batman earth one, one of my best favorite reboots of Batman doomsday mm -hmm. clock. You can tell after like the fifth issue that it's gone off the rails. Like you, the after when they, you get to issue five, you close it and go. They, they don't know what to do next. Like you literally think that you you know because <laughs> the first like the first four issues great, then yeah. immediate drop off. Well, yeah, you get that. Um, you get you definitely get that from time to time, and especially major comics comic mm -hmm. arts where they didn't completely think it through, and you can kind of tell like. Um, one that I, I I did read going back a ways now is No Man's Land. Yeah, great idea to start with, but it became pretty clear pretty quick. That's like you guys really don't know how you're going to wrap this up, do you? Well, <laughs> you really, and then it just kind of like just wrapped up. <laughs> right, and Tom DeFalco, who wrote for Marvel forever, I think he was even their editor in chief at one point. That was his big complaint about them is they would start these story arcs and he'd go, how is this ending? How, how are you going to end this? And, uh, and I, well, we pay you writers. Yeah, <laughs> well, they made him the editor in chief, but then they got mad at him because he would, which he, they, I, re I remember someone said he was a, he was a wartime editor in chief. So, cause he, they hired him when Marvel sales were really low, he gets them back up and then they fired him. And um, yeah, <laughs> which I think people have said that about Dan for DC Comics was whenever he became one of the main editors and and whatnot, I think the creative, the chief creative officer, DC sales were kind of suffering. And at first he was doing good. You know, he brought in the final crisis, which was uh, and then the first 52, not the new 52, but the first 52, mm -hmm. which was actually really good. It was a good reboot. And then he was like, eh, I don't think I did enough. Let's do Flashpoint. And that brought in the new 52. Yeah. And I remember at first, I didn't know Flashpoint was a reboot because it wasn't called Crisis. So they right. called it the Flashpoint Crisis. So right. and, and the next thing, I know, next thing I know, I'm seeing characters from Milestone in the DC universe <laughs> popping up. It's like, uh, where did they come from? But again, Icon and Rocket, I think it's the psychic's name. They're great characters, and so is Static Shock. I'm glad they brought yeah. them over. Great characters, but you know, it's kind of like I can't think of the guy's name, but he he looks like a wannabe Red Hood, where he has the red mask all the way around. Mm, um, I can't think of his name. It's like I want to say it's Red Devil, but I think I'm confusing him with someone else. But he's from Milestone. He's a main character in Flashpoint, and I'm like. 
why did they make him a main character in the DC universe? Like he's not really that big a deal. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I haven't the foggiest idea. The only other character I really remember from milestone was a uh, hardware. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hardware. I remember hardware. Which is, you know, you can kind of call him another version of steel. Right. Yeah. Steel, steel is a better character. Let's be real. <laughs> Steel's a, steel is a good character. Absolutely. Yeah. Unless he's played by Shaquille O'Neal, in which case we forget that ever happened. <laughs> I have purposely not watched that, and I've watched some bad. I've never seen that either. Just to say, I have. I have. You, you watched what? I'm sorry. Huh? Wait, which one did you say you watched? Just to say you did. Oh uh, well, uh, the Nick Fury, Agent of Shield with uh, David Hasselhoff. Yes. <laughs> and that was I've never seen 90s, it. And it was bad. <laughs> Everyone thinks it's made in the 80s because the, the production value is so low. I was like, nope, it came out in, I think, 1993, something like that. <laughs> hey, uh, Madness, I, I think he's talking about, I think Jacob's talking about a different red mask guy because Grifter, he's from Homage and everything. And how could we? How, oh, how could we... No, I think he, I think I, no, I think. Are you, are, you are you talking about Grifter? I think I am talking about Grifter. Okay, see, so, you know, Grifter ain't no wrong to be. Grifter's awesome. <laughs> well, no, no, I agree. I love in the DC universe. He's not from the DC universese. He was no, part no, of the Flashpoint. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's one that actually I wish I would love to see more of. Really? Yeah, actually, I would yeah, because I you know, I I got into Image a bit when it first launched, and one of the ones I really liked was Jim Lee's Wildcats, mm -hmm. which was Grifter was part of that team, and it, he was easily the best character in that team. He oh, was okay. So I didn't read a lot of Wildcats. Okay, yeah, he was. You know, he he was. You know, he was that stereotypical character. You know, he's he he's the the, the cocky loner who's kind of always just barely managing to squeak by, but he does always manage to squeak by. <laughs> right, right. You know, and yeah, yeah, kind of the. A less gruff Wolverine, you could say. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, he's in the movie because they did an animated film, Just Justice League Flashpoint Paradox. Yeah, yeah. and, he's in that, yeah, and he actually did enjoy him in that. That was a good. That was a good film. Yeah, yeah, I liked. I liked that whole. I, I liked that whole uh, animated version of that story. And yeah, they did uh, include Grifter in that, which personally yeah, uh, I appreciated. <laughs> And, and one one thing is you can again tell AT and T has kind of taken the reins is they're making Warner Animation just do one more in that series. Um, you know, because I think there's there's a total of oh man, I'm going to get this wrong probably, but I think there's 13, and they're and they're saying oh oh no, we, this next one's called Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. That's going to be the finale to the series. I'm a little disappointed. I actually was enjoying it more than the DCEU with a couple of exceptions. I just mean overall. In all honesty, yes. Uh, yeah. DC animated, although it's definitely had some bumps recently. And that's yeah. be, and we can talk about that in just a minute when we get into the perhaps the why of why uh, of why the comics and everything have been struggling. Because right. I think they're related. Um but yeah, it, it's I, I would say overall DC animated is still better. Than the DCEU, and I actually like the DCEU a lot more than you do, but mm -hmm. the DC animated is overall still better quality. Right, and Marvel—they're dropping the ball with their animation. Their car, their cartoons, which were king in the '90s, right? Yes, they were. They, they were king, and they have the last good 
movie that they did was called was a Punisher Black Widow crossover film. Yeah, I think it was called right. Black I, I, Widow I, Punisher Avengers Confidential. Yep. That was I, one of the last one good one they did. Yeah, I enjoyed that, but it wasn't great. It wasn't one that oh, like it wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, it's not one that I'm like, oh, I need to rewatch that. Or there was, they did. Uh, I think they licensed it out, but there was there were like these uh, manga versions of. Right. There was an X Man, a Wolverine, a Blade, and an Iron Man. Um, the Iron Man one very good. Iron Iron Man, I, I thought that was all right. The X Men one was all right. Wolverine one just got ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> it's like really, Wolverine is lifting a giant forty foot tall robot. No, <laughs> no, he's not that strong. I'm sorry. No, I. And in, in general, I, I find Wolverine to be a typically over uh, to be an overrated character personally. Oh, really? Wow, I, I do. I, I do. I do think he's overrated, um, mostly because characters like characters with like really pronounced healing factors like him kind of annoy me a little bit, be, specifically because I think they exist only so that the care artists can draw battle damage. Yeah, I, I agree, and. He, uh, I, I do agree with that. See, that's how I feel about Deathstroke. I'm kind of like Deathstroke started out as a Teen Titans villain, right? Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, he's Batman's, uh, you know, yeah. match. He's the other side of the coin for Batman. And I'm mm -hmm. like, where did that come from? He's a Teen Titans assassin that Robin beats up in the early in his early days. And so I'm kind of like, how did he? How did he become? And in fact, the Teen Titan original Teen Titan cartoon. Robin, uh, I think, gets defeated by him, but then trains and comes back and beats him. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like where, when did this Teen Titan villain become so big? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was I, honestly, I think it's the aesthetic. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's, it's, cool. it's it's the Boba Fett effect. Yeah, yeah, he looks really cool. He's got to be a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Which you could tell. His ending for Return of the Jedi, George Lucas did not intend for him to be what the fans have think he is now, right? Including me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's very very clear. But you know, why not? Let's make him. Let's make him a badass. I like. I actually like what Death. I do like what Deathstroke has become, but per, perhaps it's because I was never familiar with him as a Teen Titans villain. Right. I actually got introduced to him through Batman, so it didn't seem. Yeah, that's what it, uh, he didn't seem out of left field I, to me. I, 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 I know the guy. Who, I know the guy who he's the editor in chief of a fan site called Gotham Knights, mm -hmm. and uh, one time, and he was talking about because uh, he's a, he's a fan of the Batman Arkham games, and he was talking about how great Deathstroke is, and I was like, you know, he's a Teen Titan villain, right? And he goes, well, no, what are you talking about? He's a Batman villain, and. Yada yada yada, and I'm like, nope, nope, dude. He is a team Titan villain. Yeah, in order, and that is absolutely correct. Yes, <laughs> he was a Teen Titans villain, and it is kind of hard to square the circle between I'm getting beat by a bunch of sidekicks to <laughs> I'm going toe to toe with Batman. Yeah, I'm the, that. <laughs> Young Justice, the the animated show, they kind of make a joke because. Um, uh, there's this character who has a dumb name, but he's actually a really great villain, a sportsmaster. And in, and he is shown to be like this formidable opponent who could even challenge Batman. And in the Young jo Justice uh, show, they kind of make a joke because they have an episode where Deathstroke and Sportsmaster are in the same episode. And they kind of make a joke about Sportsmaster saying, oh, well, I was the first... Uh, 
he doesn't say he doesn't say badass, but he uses another word. I was the first tough guy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of chuckle because you you know you have to know a little bit of the history of the characters. But okay, that, I was like, that's a good line there. Yeah, it's like eh, your name is Sportsmaster. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, stupid name, but he is a really great villain otherwise. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair <laughs> enough, yes. There is always the argument that there are no bad characters, only bad writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard, yes, and it, for comic books, that seems to be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, there is much, much truth to that. Although there are there, there are some characters that I would argue that, in fact, are bad. Like uh, Batman villain Orca, just no. Yeah, I, I, rem- I remember when that word eaten by Killer Croc. What's that? I think she got eaten by Killer Croc. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember actually that I, I was I remember that run, and that was just a bad run. Yeah, that, yeah. Just, that, that whole, right after No Man's Land. Yeah, yeah, right after No Man's Land, I was just like, I'm actually thinking of dropping Batman. Yeah, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> You're clearly messing this up, people. But right. so, um, this comics is in trouble. Right. Uh, I mean, to to the extent that AT and T is legitimately thinking about shutting DC down, at least the, you know the publishing end of it, and or selling it to, or and or selling it possibly to marvel although how that would work with film rights and everything i don't know i mean let, let's face it they, marvel isn't going to want it unless they can buy a whole cloth yeah is, is, uh, i mean they bought 20th century fox just to get the x-men and fantastic four true <laughs> true but at the same time is at&t gonna want to sell off the film the film rights to what is a troubled universe but these characters are cash cows if they just let them be for a little bit or, you know, bring in the right people to turn the whole thing around. Um, you know, um, regardless, uh, it, it's the, the fact that this is even a discussion shows that it shows that things are in serious turmoil. Mm-hmm. Why is perhaps a big question. Cause we're a long ways. We're 30 years removed right. from the speculator bubble of the nineties. Right. That can't that can't just be the reason anymore. Um, so why is the is the big question? I honestly think it's because they were convinced that um, they were convinced by Twitter. Mm-hmm. They there it, it's actually an interesting thing. Uh, I've never I I'm stealing from someone else, obviously, but the Twitter effect makes people think that. So like, uh, oh, what's the, what are they called? The Mary Sue, for instance, they're an SJW thing. They read comic books and manga and whatnot, mm-hmm. and they grade them based on, based on how they are intersectionally. Right. So I, and That's the, how, how well they pass the Bechdel test. Right. Yes, exactly. And so I really think that Marvel and DC started to believe the, the hype around that. Because this really was their audience, right? They thought, but here's the thing, and I actually, and I've argued with people about this. SJWs don't buy comics; they'll buy a comic every once in a while. They, they'll, but they don't regularly go to the comic book store and purchase these things. I don't even think they go see the movies. I think they, they say they do, but then they just read about it on Wikipedia. But, um, and I really think Marvel and DC 
thought that their audience has changed because one of the things they got accused of, especially DC, was in uh, from going from the 50s to the 60s and the 70s, DC lost touch with their audience. You know, they changed Batman, right? He was this dark, brooding character, and then they made him almost a, car a caricature. Right, and pretty much his 80s persona has stayed how he is, and I really think that DC and Marvel were afraid of that happening again. We're going to lose touch with our audience, so we're going to bring in younger people. Well, what's Twitter saying? Twitter is not real life, and I think that they thought it was real life. So... Mm -hmm that you end up having instead of introducing um, a female character who is a Viking like Thor, like say Angela, um, which I think they did add, like I said, they added her to the Thor mythos. Yeah, they did bring her and, and I think now she has her, I think her own, her comic is now called uh, as guardians of the galaxy. But anyway, they're, they, instead of introducing new characters or characters they had acquired, they tried to change the old ones and DC is guilty of this with the exception of their big three. They've always been smart about their big three, but outside of that, you know, they want to change all their characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a mistake. So a new, uh, what Richard Meyer calls the normie, a normie goes to, goes to see the Joss Whedon's first Avengers film, right? He walks out of that thinking that's the lineup. He doesn't know that Ant-Man and Wasp were involved and, uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch joined some time later, or that even that the Avengers actually found Captain America. That's that's in the that's the original comic. He doesn't know this. He just assumes that. They don't so know. They don't care. Right. So then he goes and buys the comic book, and what does he see? He sees uh, Jane Foster is Thor, Falcon is now Captain America, Ant Man and the Vision are having these arguments about whether a robot has a soul. This was actually in a comic book, by the okay. way. I'm not lying. Yeah. And, uh, and the guy's like, uh, where's the Shatari? Where's Loki? Where's where's Black Widow? You know, why, is, why is Iron Man in white armor establishing a dictatorship over a <laughs> What is going on? Right, exactly. Why, or why is Iron Man dead? I think Iron... Oh, uh, oh yeah, that one too. Yeah, because they, they killed him. He wasn't killed off at that point, but they had, when Civil War, the movie came out, they did Civil War II in the comics, and Tony Stark got killed off. And like I said, now they've confirmed he is dead. So, you know, you, and so a normie goes, well, I don't want to find this now. What, what is this? The movie is and better. And then that gets you right into, wait a minute, I thought this was number one. Right, yes. I thought this was number one. But now there's, why are there, why are there four number ones on the rack? Right. Well, the same character. And also, and also, they get you with the variants. I mean, I'm I'm the sucker, right? I bought four of these things, and this one I paid more for so I could get the artist to sign it. <laughs> but so, it's Neil Adams, and he's a legend, so it's okay. Right. Yes. And also, I'm a super fan. That's expected of me. I'm going, especially for Batman stuff. I'm going to do that. But a, a regular person who goes to see. Uh, ben Affleck and Superman cry about, or Henry Cavill cry about their mothers to each other. They're going to go, man, Batman's kind of lame and he murders people. So, you know, because anyone who knows Batman knows his one rule. And so, uh, despite what, you know, but just, well, but, I mean, honestly, that gets right into the whole issue with, um, with, with the whole uh, way the, the DCEU developed in the first place. Where this, uh, a lot of the a lot of it 
not exclusively. A lot of it had to do with just the execs wanting to rush and catch up with Marvel as opposed to letting things develop. So we got, instead of doing a Batman origin story, which I, I would agree we didn't really need. Um, right. yeah. But, you know, did we, was jumping into 40-year-old, you know, you know, cynical and bitter Batman necessarily the best option either. It's fair to say the answer to that is no. <laughs> right. And there's there's this um, animated film. It's not connected to the universe we were talking about before. And I actually don't really like it that much, but it's called Justice League New Frontier. And there's the scene where... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking right. about. There, there's a scene where it shows Batman in his classic costume with the purple gloves. and But he scares a child. And so yep. later, Superman comes to see him, and he's in more like his modern Batman costume, and Robin is there. Mm -hmm. And Superman says, what are you doing with a sidekick, and why are you dressed like that? And Batman says, I'm, I want to scare villains, not children. And I really think that that's uh, – so someone who grew up like with me with Batman in the animated series, you go to see Ben Affleck play him, and you're kind of stunned. But then you also go to the comic book store, and that Batman is nothing like that Batman. So even if you liked Dawn, Dawn of Justice, mm -hmm. and granted there's plenty of reasons to like it, um, you're going to be all really confused unless you just pick up The Dark Knight Returns. Because then you at least go, oh, now I get the Batman design. Right, right. Which, I mean, they said they were drawing heavily on that, which, I mean, right. they clearly were. Right. Uh, but again, is that... the? Is that what you do is your opening intro to of Batman into this particular universe? You could easily argue the answer to that is no. And um, someone asked me one time, do you have to be a nerd or a geek to make these movies? And I thought, no, Christopher Nolan is not a nerd. Like, you know, he, he's this really great filmmaker, but he at least had a, a his fingers on the pulse of the fans. Mm -hmm. And I really think that, I, and I really think that with the comic books, Marvel and DC and trying to be in touch with their fans have lost touch with their actual fans. And I really think, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying he's going to do a bad job, but I really think Robert Pattinson being cast as Batman shows this. If you look at all the buzz that was going online, people were talking about, we want to see our army hammer as Batman. We want to see, and they may not have just been able to get him. That's fine. But um, oh, his name his name escapes him, but there was a, another guy. He's been in a ton of B movies, but uh, he's a real martial artist. And they were saying mm -hmm. we want we want to have him. And in fact, on my blog, one of my guest contributors wrote a whole article advocating for this guy to be Batman. And then we get announced that it's Robert Pattinson, who is a good actor. Forget Twilight. Robert Pattinson is a good actor, and mm -hmm. I and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But it, to me, it still shows. Oh, we're out of touch with our fans. We're out of touch with our fan base. And to me, the more casting news I hear about the upcoming Batman film, the more this confirms me. Like, uh, why? Why is um, oh, what's his name? Andy Circus. Why is he playing Alfred? Why isn't Andy Circus one of the bad guys? It is an odd thing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. Andy Circus is. Alfred, but then again, who knows? I mean, Circus has got oh, he's a great actor, he'll do yeah, great. I mean, he's got he's he seriously got some range, definitely. Mm -hmm. And maybe I, I'm curious to see what he's gonna bring to the role. Mm -hmm. um, it's I'll, I'll be honest, it's, I think it's gonna be hard to beat Michael Caine as Alfred, <laughs> uh, just because I mean, he was just a great, great, great Alfred, yes. especially for that particular movie. I mean, that that wasn't the Alfred, uh 
there, there wasn't necessarily the former British special ops spy Alfred that mm-hmm. kind of become in the comics, uh, or in which they obviously they were doing in Gotham, right? But still, for for that for that performance of just your whole job is to just be Bruce Wayne's foil, right? You know, be be his conscious essentially. He was great. And oh yeah, and it's gonna be hard to beat that. And that's and Gotham is a perfect example of a show that, while it did have a lot of missteps, as TV shows that run for over a year have, mm-hmm. um, they still had a pulse on what the fans wanted. So they, I, I was never really at first. I was not on board with Gordon being the main character. I wanted to see Bruce Wayne grow up, mm-hmm. but they had me hooked with how they introduced the Riddler. How they introduced the proto Joker, as I call him. Yep. Um, and they yep. had two different versions of the Joker. The first version was the crazy, Heath um, esque. Yeah, the the run amok Joker, and then the next one was the Scott Snyder, more cold and calculating mm-hmm. Joker. And I thought that I was like, wow, how do you show two different versions of the Joker in one show? That and how they did it, I thought was really clever. Yeah. Actually, I um I had a long conversation with that um. With with uh, with Crystal a couple of weeks ago, uh, just largely about Gotham, and that um, we yeah we covered a lot of that. And I, overall, I'm a fan of the show. Overall. Oh yeah, me too. Um, but so essentially, we're coming down to as far as why the comics are struggling at least right now. One, just poorly merging, poor poorly merging things with the movies. Like right. as you said, they should kind of line up at least a little bit. Right. Um. You know, it, like you said, a lineup is a, is an easy one. Keeping the characters like personalities more or less the same uh, would be logical, right? Uh, you know, and, and Marvel had kind of set it up, for, set itself up for that with the ultimate imprint. Even though that wasn't the original intent, they could have just kept that and been like, "If you want your movie Avengers, here they are." <laughs> you know, um, but they but they didn't do that, um, and of course, you know, DC is kind of again with the movies and the and the comics have just been all over the place for the last yeah. few years as far as you know what's what the hell is going on with any individual storyline um and and I say that as somebody who has long loved DC I'm, I'm definitely uh, I love both but I'm definitely a DC over Marvel guy um that said they ain't they ain't running right but you know so you got the miss the, just the mismanagement of like the the way they should be marketing each other mm-hmm. going on. Plus, we got it's a clear case of go woke, go broke. Right, well, right. Ray, perfect example of that. Yeah, which uh, I, I mean, that's even been a thing. That's part of why they keep rebooting freaking Captain Marvel. Right, yeah, the the sales just aren't there to keep a story ongoing. Yeah, and and what that's why they moved her to the Avengers, right? She's not in the Avengers in the films, but they moved her there because they can't keep her comic book up. And but they don't want to tell, you know, Gail Simone, sorry, or uh, sorry, we're canceling Ca- Captain Marvel. They're just telling her, oh, we moved her to the Avengers, and she's going to kind of be the field commander or whatever. Well, you know, and that and that's one of the things that makes it so difficult. It's like, okay, so this person's on that team now. What I thought she was just doing in Guardians of the Galaxy. What the ever let me crap. Then Iron Man's in Guardians of the Galaxy, and then apparently Angela's been in Guardians of the Galaxy. And, and, and um, that's one thing that was if you read when Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby were writing Marvel, they took, they kept the continuity tight. 
Like they, they, like if you read, uh, there's this great, uh, I actually own it. I have some original Stanley, Steve Ditko, Spider-Man. And there's, there's an issue where Spider-Man's fighting the lizard and the human torch just shows up. And of course the human tor torch, he doesn't know the whole backstory of the lizard. So he's, he is not holding back. And so Spidey just basically tricks him into leaving. Well, apparently Human Torch was absent from an issue of the Fantastic Four, and there's like a little note in the Spider-Man comic. This is where he was an issue, whatever Fantastic no, Four. I remember those little notes. Yeah, <laughs> that would show up. I was like, and, and it would be, be like, you know, so and so was referencing something that happened, you know, in this comic. Right. See issues. <laughs> you know, this, yeah. See, see issues. Uh, so there you go, true believers, and right. you know. Freaking Stanley, man. He, he really <laughs> was the freaking man. I tell you what. <laughs> but and, and, and if you read, so like you read Batman, especially in the Tom King, when Tom King is writing it at the same time as James Tynan is writing detective comics, hmm. you are going to get really confused because in the first, I think, seven volumes of detective comics, the hmm. Batman family is there. Um, uh, Damien is and is off with the Teen Titans and Nightwings and Bloodhaven and whatnot, but they have Tim Drake as Robin and they have uh -huh. Batwoman and they have I think for a while Clayface he he uh, he becomes uh, reformed and so he's there and they have Azrael and so the Batman family is operating, but then in the Tom King, which is supposed to be at the same time, Batman's a loner and everyone hates him and. And it's like, wait, wait, but he's there with Tim Drake right now. What's going on? Uh, you know, it's very, it's a very confusing thing. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've, got two, you've got two different versions of Batman competing mm -hmm. at the same time. It's like, they might both be interesting. I, I personally, I love the, I love the Bat family Batman. It's got like my favorite Batman. The one who's like, uh, he, he's, he's the general in charge right. of his you know, in, in charge of his little army and directing them. Okay, you go take out that mob family over there. Um, you know, we've got uh, we've got a couple of run amok metas over there. Nightwing, handle that for me, please. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. That's my favorite Batman. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, the I always say it's the Walker Texas Ranger Batman because for the for, if you watch the last three seasons of Walker Texas Ranger he has these two rangers that he kind of sends out to do his legwork mm -hmm. i think you know, Chuck Norris was starting to get older so he would always send uh, i think their names were Gage and Cindy he would send he would send them off to do the legwork and then he would come in and fight the bad guy at the end and and i think batman works best that way you know he's connecting yeah. with jim gordon but then he's sending robin and batgirl to figure out all the clues in these different areas. And yeah. then he comes in and, you know, fights the Joker at the end. I think that's the best Batman. You know, especially when, especially if they were to do something crazy, like allow yeah. characters to age. Right. I mean, I swear the only two characters that have ever been allowed to age in comic books are Bucky Barnes and Dick Grayson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And, he, and But again, rebirth changed that. Dick Grayson is young again. They made it where instead of Batman raising him, uh, he was actually 16 when he became Robin. And yeah, yeah. No. Thing. It, maybe, maybe, maybe 14, but he was a teenager instead of being, you know, I think uh, in the originally it was, he was 12, but they raised him up. So they wanted him to be able to drive basically. No. <laughs> Just no. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, I think it was because they were having trouble explaining how there are four Robins. So they just made it where, 
Dick Grayson was shorter. Jason Todd was shorter than Dick Grayson. Then it was Tim Drake for this. For He was the longest Robin, and then now it's Damien. No. <laughs> Tim Drake is my favorite Robin. I like Dick Grayson as Nightwing. So Yeah, I, well, I, yeah and, and Dick Grayson is great as Nightwing. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, <sighs> you know, honestly, that gets into the biggest reason why I kind of fell out of collecting comics is ultimately nothing ever nothing significant ever really changes, not yeah. for long. And yeah, I'm waiting for Alfred to come back because Tom King killed off Alfred, and he's James Tynan took over writing in January for Batman because DC fired Tom King basically, and uh, James Tynan took over. But Alfred is still dead in Tynan's arc right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious though how long that is going to last. Right. You know, it's. It, no one stays dead in comics. Yeah, I, mean, I again, I Uncle had, I had it figured out. Uncle Ben has stayed dead. <laughs> Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben has stayed dead. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> Uncle Ben has stayed dead. If they ever bring Uncle Ben back, I swear, I am marching to Marvel Studios. I'm gonna burn it down. <laughs> uh, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I will lead a freaking revolt. The Boogaloo will start over <laughs> Uncle Ben. I swear. <laughs> I'll be running through a Molotov cocktail screaming, thanks, Obama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but um, <laughs> whew, that was a tangent. <laughs> but that gets right into uh, again why why I stopped. Because e even back in the in the 90s, when when they did the whole death of Superman thing, I was like, that ain't gonna last. Because yeah. uh, already I had figured out that it's like but probably mostly from reading X-Men comics and uh, like how many times has Jean Grey been dead? <laughs> at least four now. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, at least. <laughs> at least, yeah. <laughs> a bare minimum, man. Yeah, one of them, she was just sent to the future. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like, like this ain't gonna last. No one, no one in comics stays dead. I mean, except for Uncle Ben. And yeah. it was like, like he'll he'll be back. And yeah, sure enough. And don't get me wrong, it was an interesting enough story in and of itself. But it's like nothing ever really changes, which of course, this is something I am going to blame uh, Stan Lee for with his, the whole thing with uh, keeping the illusion of change. It was his, was his phrase. I was like, eh, Spider-Man's going to get married, but it's not really going to matter. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, I, I, the last time I remember something stuck was, Peter and Mary Jane lost their baby. That was the one. That was the one thing in the nineties. Oh no, no! See, here's the thing. It didn't. It's not that that stuck. It's the fact they had a baby that didn't stick. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you got a point. Fair yeah. enough. That that's the thing. That's see, that's the problem. A big thing like that happens that should have long lasting effects, but like, eh, nope. <laughs> And they're yeah, gonna make a deal with Mephisto, and everything's gonna be. Yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> it's like I, I, I think I didn't really feel at the time. I kind of liked it because I, I liked the idea that people didn't know who Spider-Man is. That's uh, one thing that always aggravates me about the movies, and and even the Spider-Man PS4 video game. Everyone figures out who he is all the time, and and I'm kind of that kind of makes me angry. So I was kind of like, okay, yes, people won't know who he is. Thank goodness. But then later, I I was, and it was Brand New Day is actually a pretty good kickoff for the new version of Spider-Man, you know. But I was thinking, 
later, I was like, man, that was kind of a cop out. <laughs> yes. And actually, Mattis points out that the whole um, Osborne killing their baby uh, was wiped out by the whole one more day thing, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, they didn't get married when, when he wiped it out. Yeah. It's like, oh, come the. Really? <laughs> you know, it's in what bothers me about that, and this gets right. And uh, this gets close to uh, ramping up because part of my criticism of the whole 5G or fifth generation event that DC may or may not be doing now um, mm -hmm. is the fact that they kind of did that already back in the 90s when yeah. Batman got his back broken by Bane and mm -hmm. had things taken over by Azrael. Um, Hal Jordan went freaking bonkers and mm -hmm. Kyle Rayner took his place. Oliver Queen died. Mm -hmm. And uh, this time, right? What's that? His son took over. Uh, Connor, Connor, Hawk. Took Connor over. Hawk. Connor Hawk, thank you. Yeah. Um, and of course, Wally West became, he, he already had been the Flash for a while, but, you know, it was definitely solidified that he had taken over from Barry Allen as the Flash. And he was Flash forever, even when they started bringing characters back. He was the Flash that I knew growing yeah. up reading comics. Wally West was my Flash. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Hale, Hale, Hale Jordan and Kyle Rayner, not to the same extent, but I really like the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern. Uh, and, and of course, you know, Superman, the, the death of Superman and all of these other guys that rose up trying to fill those shoes. Um, They had this perfectly set up. And yeah. they did it with individual stories, not as part of a giant company-spanning event. They did it with individual stories, and they told them in ways that made sense. Mm -hmm. within the story itself not just for the time not just for sales although obviously they were done to drive sales um especially especially the especially Azrael as batman thing that was yes. very much a sales driven thing that they thought was going to work really well they were wrong um <laughs> but in and of itself that even came that even created its own thing where bruce wayne came came back to take the man take the mantle away from Azrael, and that's where you really got the idea of the idea that these main characters it's not they're not just it's not just Clark kent he's super he it's a mantle it's a symbol something that can be passed down and it's something that dc is uniquely set up for over mm -hmm. against marvel where they it's the fact that these characters are such archetypes. They can right. pass that role, that responsibility to somebody else. And they had set themselves up so perfectly for that. And then they just undid it uh, first uh, with Superman, but the, that was always the plan. Um, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne coming back. That was, that was a, oops, nobody likes that. Nobody likes as bats. No, I actually, actually, I actually think, the Bruce Wayne one was meant to be permanent. Uh, Cause I even, Oh, I think it was meant to be yeah. like, it's just nobody liked as bad. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it was, it was a hundred percent. Oops. <laughs> but what they should have done was actually, uh, Dick is Dick Gray. Dick Grayson comes back, defeats Osreal and becomes yeah. Batman. Or if they really wanted to go nuts, because let's say everybody likes Dick Grayson as Nightwing. Right. Um, if they really wanted to go crazy, Tim Drake does it and becomes Batman. Yeah, is really what I would have loved to see because I don't, I don't think Tim Drake has quite gotten the respect that he really deserves yet. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, they've they've kind of tried; they moved in that direction. But if any of the Robins should be Batman, it's Tim Drake. Yeah, because I mean, Damian's a great fighter. He's not the detective, right? 
And Tim Drake is the one Robin that could possibly be a better detective than, than Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and also too, one thing that they used to do, which I don't understand. So if you didn't like it, like uh, before Hal Jordan, there was uh, Alan, Alan Scott, I think it was, or Scott, something like that. Scott oh, Alan, Alan Scott. Scott. Well, totally different kind of Green Lantern though. Right. Right. He, he actually found like a map. Uh, uh, I think it was called the star heart lantern or whatever. Something um, like yeah. If it, you didn't like, no relation to the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you didn't like that version of him, you could go and buy a Hal Jordan comic. Mm -hmm. But they also had the Earth Two characters, and that's what had all the original characters. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I think Crisis on Infinite Earths actually the first one, the very first reboot, actually mm -hmm. erased all that. They made it where they were all legacy characters. Yep. I think. Alan Scott, the first Green Lantern, he was actually erased from existence, but they did do it where uh, Barry Allen got inspired to be Flash by the first, I think his name was Gar uh, Garrett? Yeah, Jay Garrett. Yeah. Jay Garrett or something like that? Jay Garrett. Uh, so DC is, like you said, is in a position to do this because they've already set that up in their mythology. And then whichever one people like, just that's the one you publish the most. Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't have to do these constant reboots and retellings and yep. I bringing them back right <laughs> and i think one of the one of the things that i did kind of like about the ultimate universe i did kind of like so i've been a big critic of it mm -hmm. was the deaths were permanent with the exception of captain america they did bring him back to life uh, but but it was this whole thing where thor actually had to go into hell and uh, or not hell but uh what, what what is it called uh the asgardian heaven uh, Valhalla. Uh, Valhalla. He had to go to Valhalla and get Captain America's soul. Was uh, uh, it was a, so they made it like a quest thing, which I was okay with. It was a big thing, and yeah, right. But like they killed off Professor X, and he was dead. They killed off Thanos, and he was dead. And um, I did appreciate that about it. But I think that's ultimately why they realized, oh, we can't keep this going because we keep killing off our characters. So. You know, it Peter is Parker. Down, it is one of the things. It's like you have to, if you're going to do that, you also mm -hmm. have to be able to come up with new characters. Right. For them. And, Star, and Star Trek solved this problem by just killing off all the secondary characters, right? You know, Ensign so-and-so who's only been in two episodes and he's wearing a red uniform. He's the one that gets killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. That's true enough. And yeah, man, as I actually remember Batman saying that about Tim Drake, that he would be a better Batman in the future. Right. Which I think they have touched on that a little bit. Like I think Tim Drake was Batman in Batman Be in the Batman Beyond comics for a while. Yeah, in the new Fifty Two Batman Beyond. Yeah, okay. Terry McGinnis. Terry McGinnis died, and then uh, Tim, and then so, and I think at that time Bruce Wayne was like off on some quest or whatever, and so Dick Grayson basically said, "Tim Drake, you need to be Batman," because Grayson, I think, in the Batman Beyond of the of the comics, he's missing an eye, so he can't well, he be old that. by that time too. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be not Bruce Wayne old, but <laughs> right, right. Too too old to be in uh, prime crime fighting condition to say that. Right. You know, yeah. It. I, I hated seeing it throughout all the nineties. Like, you know, Hal Jordan came back. His first is the Spectre, and then he became the Green Lantern. And before well, to be fair, he was a version of the Spectre. I actually okay. liked him as the Spectre. Well, you know, and that's, you know, it's one of those things I'm kind of okay with. They could do that, but um, 
I kind of knew it's like, no, this is just the first step to bringing him back as Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like this isn't going to be really a thing. This is just, they, you, yeah. But to be fair, they kept him the Spectre for a long time. I think until the, I think until the two thousands, he finally came back as a Green Lantern, and even then, the, they didn't want to accept him back or something like that. Yeah, well, at least it's kind of doing some justice to the whole Parallax storyline, right? But, you know, ugh, you know, and then of course Kevin Smith brought Green Arrow back, which again, in and of itself, is a fine story, mm -hmm. but it's like no, you're undoing everything you everything you did, everything you did in like the early and mid '90s. You're completely undoing it, and you're ruining your ability to let these characters age and develop and everything which you were set up to do which was something that frankly was kind of unique in comic mm -hmm. it hadn't really been done before to such an extent and then they just screwed it up they undid it all uh valiant was going to be essentially doing that if if, if the original 90s era valiant had been had continued and hadn't got messed up when they got brought up by got bought up by acclaim and everything and trying to be marvel mm -hmm. uh, is essentially what happened to them because there was again there was a clear drop off after the chaos effects uh crossover after that it was like there was a sharp drop off in quality yeah and and one thing one thing too is these i feel like valiant is making the same mistake that warner did with the dceu mm -hmm. is by just introducing bloodshot mm -hmm. Um, they're trying to they're trying to copy Marvel's model, which was we're going to introduce all the characters separately and then bring them together. Really, what DC should have done was done the Justice League first, mm -hmm. then done spinoff origins, and that way you can say, oh well, if you can't get the same actor back, you can say, oh well, it's when they're younger, so we're getting a younger actor to to portray them, and yeah. and uh, then just move forward with the Justice League series. And, but, and Valiant is making, you know, but they didn't, they copied Marvel with Man of Steel and then yeah. Dawn of Justice. And it was like, they realized their mistake. So they're like, okay, we're going to do, after Wonder Woman, we're going to do Justice League. Right. Cause, uh, and I think, uh, cause I think something like that, they're going to do all the spinoffs and then do Justice League, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and I feel like Valiant is going to make the same mistake. They're going to introduce Bloodshot and then oh. they're going to introduce XO and then, you know, no, they're, they're actually doing. Uh, unfortunately, no, it's not that coherent. Oh, really? <laughs> no, uh, they, they actually Harbinger is now licensed out to a totally different studio. Oh, so they might be all just standalone. I think that's what what we're looking at is the more likely result of everything is these are just going to be standalone movies that it's not going to be a shared Valiant universe, which. I'm actually okay with that then. I, I'm, I'm completely okay with it. And also, I don't have high hopes for the Bloodshot movie. I'll be honest. Uh, looking at it, I'm like, it looks like generic action movie. I, I agree. I, I think it'll be one like you'll you'll enjoy it, but it's not it's not going to have lasting impressions like say Captain America: Winter Soldier. Right. Exactly. It's going to be one that's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to watch this tonight. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Popcorn. I want to eat popcorn and just you know enjoy my day. It, yeah, pretty much. I think that's exactly where I see it going. But um, uh, before we wrap, before we uh, end this, since we're way over our normal time, but yeah. how often how often do I get a chance to talk talk to somebody who knows more about comics than I do? Uh, <laughs> um, how could you think of anything you would if you could, you know, be in charge for a day? How would you fix it? 
Um, well, it would depend on which one. Uh, if I'm fixing Marvel, okay. I would I would at least try to line it up with the movies, like you said, with with the connections. Uh, but let let the writers have their own stories. But say, okay, these characters are in the in the Avengers right now. This is who we want to be the Avengers, mm -hmm. and um, I would also I would also um, or if they're like, well, no, we, I want to be able to use Ant-Man for this film or for this story arc. Sorry. If I want to use Ant-Man, then I would say, okay, well, then we're going to do like the Avengers like they were after the Heroes Return arc where it's all the Avengers and then just different ones appear for different missions. Okay. Um, that way you can explain there's so, so and so is off on a different mission. So we have to, instead of using Captain America, we have to use U.S. Agent. That's how that's how I would do it. Okay. I would offer those two suggestions for DC, I would just say, say stop screwing with your timeline. You um, try to create a, a more cohesive story arc. Yep. Um, if we have to do one more reboot to make that happen, let's do it. I was just thinking if, that. Yeah. <laughs> if, we have, if we have to do that, that's fine. But let's let's do it. We don't need um, – uh, if you have to do a number one, it's going to be under a different title. So it's not just going to be Batman. It's going to be Batman Cape Crusader or Batman Dark Detective, whatever. But we're going if we have to do that, we're going to do that. And I also I would suggest for DC, bring back what people love about the character. So which I actually hear Michael Bryant or uh, Brian Michael Bendis is doing this with Superman. Bring back those things that make him inspirational. Yep. He's a person you're supposed to aspire to be. Batman kind of killed the kind of killed the grunge. Like we, we get it. He's dark and brooding, but we're making him too hard hearted. Because the whole purpose of him doing this is to save Gotham, but he can't save Gotham if he's hard hearted. There's this, yeah. um, and I would, whoever's on the Batman writing team, there's this great painting that Alex Ross, a legendary comic book artist, did. Yep. And it's Batman, and he's all bloody, but he's cradling a baby. Mm -hmm. And the baby's perfectly fine, but Batman is all you could tell. He went through, uh, through a whole turmoil to protect this child. And I would hang that in the Batman's writing staff room is like, this is the Batman we want. The one who will, uh, you know, get beat up just to save a child. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's what I would say. I would just say, let's, let's do one more course. Correct. We'll set up a full, we'll, a few rules. We'll hire back Chuck Dixon and then, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. I think that actually is great advice, especially for, uh, Especially for DC, <laughs> one more reboot. Get that out of your damn system. Yeah. <laughs> and let's actually, yes, get back to what the people love about the characters. Because yeah, I mean, you mentioned Batman. I think, kind of since, uh, kind of since No Man's Land, they seem stuck on having, having to have postmodernist deconstructed Batman. Where yeah, he, that's where he's just all pathos, all angst, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> And it's like, and one thing that I love, and Chuck Dixon, he did, he co-created Bane, right? Mm -hmm. And Bane was a perfect adversary to Batman because he was brains and brawn. Normally Batman just had brains or just had brawns. Yep. And then, like you said, it's like they took it too far. Alan Grant and Denny O'Neill, who are both really good writers, by the way, mm -hmm. but they just took that no man's land um, arc. Uh, I think, I want to say Chuck Dixon kicked it off. But I could be wrong about that. It might have been Denny O'Neill who kicked it off. But just coming off that Batman who had his back broken, and then we're going straight into, um, we're, like you said, deconstruct Batman. What does it mean for Gotham? And we're gonna we're gonna milk 
and beat this dead horse till it's till we all that's left is bones. And uh, and I really and that's why I say hire back Chuck Dixon because he was he he to me was the last writer who really understood the Joker. Like Scott Snyder writes a great, I'll say a good Joker, but Chuck Dixon really nailed the Joker when he was writing Batman. He's the one who did the the last laugh, which is the one where Joker thinks he has cancer. Oh. And so he does, he does like one final scheme that to tear apart Gotham. Great story. Um, so yeah, I would bring him back to at least write the principal Batman title. That would be okay. I'd like to see uh, Chuck Dixon come back and actually, yeah, maybe get maybe get Batman back into shape. And I mean, he's right. Sylvester Stallone. How how is DC not bringing him back? <laughs> you know, start start bringing and, and start developing them too, getting them in the, a direction. And th th this would be huge for me. Let the characters age. Yeah. Um, and let let them die. Yeah. <laughs> let them act, and let somebody new take over again. DC in particular is well set up for this. Every, all the main heroes have all got all kinds of sidekicks and everything. All kinds of like young proteges they could, you know, just grab and say, "You're the new guy." Mm -hmm. And like you said, if somebody doesn't like that, there's a whole freaking like stable to choose from. Right. You know? If somebody wants there to be a Batwoman, you've got Huntress, you've got Batgirl, you've got Cassandra Kane, you've got any number of people that you could, you know, pull from to fill that role. But and you can rotate it out until you find somebody that somebody really likes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and of course, yeah, Matt Madison points out things like you know, removing some of the uh newer, fluffier, useless characters. <laughs> 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 which is definitely a thing out there, but what are you going to do? Um, uh, and I think there's probably another direction or two we could go, but uh, like I said, we are way the heck over time. <laughs> so uh, Jacob, thanks for uh, coming by for an extremely long, but uh, very fun conversation about uh, comic books in general. <laughs> we actually yeah. did spend some time talking about the state of the industry. <laughs> And uh, we'll have to have you back on again at some point in the near future to pick up on one of the threads that we uh, kind of left dangling over here. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I had a great time. I can talk about comic books for like five hours straight. My wife, I have to my wife road trip. She was not happy by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, understand. We'll have to have you back on here just to uh, help you know save your marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in. Next uh, next week we're going to have um, we're going to have Whitney Tornado Six. You will know her as on Twitter, and she's going to be talking about how she no longer identifies as a libertarian, and just kind of some of that evolution. So be here for that. And after that, I'm I'm working on something. I hope it comes out because it could be a particularly interesting conversation. But I'm going to leave that as a teaser, just in case. <laughs> All right. Well, until. Next time, thanks for coming back.